وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم وَمَن يُطِعِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ فَقَدْ فَازَ فَوْزًا عَظِيمًا أَمَّا بَعْدُ فَإِنَّ أَصْدَقَ الْحَدِيثِ كِتَابُ اللَّهِ وَخَيْرَ الْهَدْيِ هَدْيُ مُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَشَرَّ الْأُمُورِ مُحْدَثَاتُهَا وَكُلَّ مُحْدَثَةٍ بِدْعَةٌ وَكُلَّ بِدْعَةٍ ضَلَالَةٌ we welcome you all, noble brothers and sisters and guests. This is part two of the lecture, The Sunnah is like the Ark of Noah. And as was mentioned yesterday, this is a statement from the noble Imam, the great scholar of Islam, Al-Imam Malik, rahimahullah ta'ala, when the sunnah was mentioned in his presence, and he stated, As-sunnah safinatu nuh, man rakibaha naja, wa man takhallafa anha gharib. That the sunnah is the ark of Noah, Whoever embarks upon it is saved, and whoever does not embark upon it and remains back from getting on to it, then he drowns. And we covered that this resemblance that was given by Al-Imam Malik ta'ala, it shows the importance of the sunnah and the life of the Muslim that it is a means of salvation. Just as the ark of Noah and the time of Noah was the means of salvation for the people. As Noah salam, he called the people for 950 years to la ilaha illallah. And only a few from amongst the people followed him and answered his call. And Nuh salam, as we covered, was betrayed by his own wife. Whereas some of the scholars of tafsir have mentioned, 
that whenever Nuh would give da'wah to the people and then he would leave, she would come behind him and tell the people that her husband is insane, he's majnoon. Don't listen to him. And whenever someone would accept Islam, she would go and tell the chiefs from amongst the people that so-and-so or such-and-such has accepted Islam. So her deception or betrayal of Nuh was from the angle of betraying him in the matter of religion. As Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions, ضَرَبَ اللَّهُ مَثَلًا لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِمْرَأَةَ نُوحٍ وَمْرَأَةَ لُوتٍ كَانَتَا تَحْتَ أَبَدَيْنِ مِنْ عِبَادِنَا الصَّالِحِينَ فَخَانَتَاهُمَا Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions that Allah He gives the example for those who disbelieve the wife of Nuh and the wife of Lut. Both of them were under the care of two of our servants. From our servants, or two servants from our servants, who were righteous. But they betrayed them too. So the wife of Lut, she betrayed Lut. And the wife of Nuh, she betrayed Nuh. But where was the betrayal? Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentioned that the betrayal was not in the firash, not in the matter of the bed, meaning they were not women who slept around. Rather, the qiyana was in the deen, was in the matter of religion. Because these women outwardly displayed that they were with their husbands on the same religion, but in reality they were with their people in opposition to their husbands who were calling the people to La ilaha illallah. So, as we know, Allah Azza wa Jal commanded Nuh to build the ark, and the people they made mockery of him, and then those from amongst the few who believe they embarked upon the ark and he took some animals upon the ark and then Allah decreed for his punishment to come down upon the people from the rainwater descending and the water coming out of the earth flooding that area and the people were destroyed in the flood and from those who were destroyed in the flood the wife of Nuh as well as the son of Nuh And subhanAllah wa bihamdi, this is a great important point, a lesson here. That regardless of one's status or position, regardless of one's title, here we have the wife of a prophet, the son of a prophet, which is something that is noble. However, Regardless of the title that the person possesses, if the individual does not follow what Allah has legislated, then they are subjected to be punished and destroyed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As the title itself is not enough to save a person from Allah's punishment. Wife of the Prophet Noah, that's not enough to save her. Son of the Prophet Nuh, that was not enough to save him. 
it was upon them to embark upon the ark. It was upon them to follow the Prophet Nuh and join him on the ark, and then the salvation would have been for them. But as for the title, the position that they had in relation to that Prophet Nuh that was not enough to save them from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, when we look at the matter of the sunnah, titles and positions do not benefit a person if the individual is not upon the straight path. Titles and positions do not benefit a person if the person is not upon the straight path. You look at in the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, his uncle Abu Talib and his uncle Abu Lahab, they have the position of being the uncles of the greatest of the prophets and messengers, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But them having a blood tie kinship with the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam will not save them on the day of judgment. Because both of them died upon disbelief in Allah being in opposition to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But then you look at the other two uncles of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam Abbas and Hamza, these were two uncles who believed and died upon the religion of Islam. So they are honored members of the family of the Prophet ﷺ, honored uncles of the Prophet ﷺ. Not just because they were uncles, but because of their adherence to that which Prophet Muhammad ﷺ brought. So it's very important and it is a must that we follow that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions وَمَا أَنزَلْنَا عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابِ إِلَّا لِتُبَيِّنَ لَهُمُ الَّذِي اخْتَلَفُوا فِيهِ وَهُدًا وَرَحْمَةً لِقَوْمٍ يُؤْمِنُونَ And we have not revealed to you the book except to clarify, that you clarify to them, meaning the people, that which they have differed in and it is a guidance or a means of guidance and a means of mercy for a people who believe. Here Allah Azawajal addresses the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That he is the one who sent down the Quran to him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the job and duty and responsibility of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is to bring about clarification, is to explain the Qur'an. From the sunnah being similar to the Ark of Nuh alayhi salam, 
is that as-sunnah tufassirul Qur'an. The sunnah explains the Qur'an. And by way of the sunnah, one can have proper understanding of the Qur'an. Because false interpretation of the Qur'an is deviance, misguidance, it is destruction. So it is a must that the people return back to the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam in understanding the Qur'an. As for those who explain and interpret the Qur'an according to their desires, according to their whims, then these individuals have overstepped their boundaries. Allah He mentions, وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ ذِكْرُ لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِلَ إِلَيْهِمْ وَلَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ And we have revealed to you the dhikr in order that you clarify for the people that which has been revealed to them in order that they may reflect. We have revealed to you the dhikr meaning we have revealed to you the sunnah. We have revealed to you the sunnah in order that you may clear to the people that which has been revealed to them from the Qur'an. So the sunnah explains the Qur'an. Surah Al-Nahl, verse number 44. The sunnah explains the Qur'an. And the verse before that was quoted, Surah Al-Nahl, verse number 64. So the sunnah is the explanation of the Qur'an. And without the sunnah, then one will not be able to properly implement and practice the Qur'an. As an example, in the Qur'an you have the commandment to establish the prayer. In the Qur'an you have the commandment to pay the zakat. In the Qur'an, you have the commandment of making hajj. In the Qur'an, you have the commandment of fasting in Ramadan. However, the details of these acts of ibadah are found in the sunnah. And this shows you the deviance of those who say that we are only in need of the Qur'an and we do not need the sunnah. Without the sunnah, you cannot properly worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> Generally speaking, every matter of the sunnah is in the Qur'an. Generally speaking. Any of you brothers know what's the proof of that? Wa alaykum salam wa rahmatullah. Anyone? Generally speaking, 
every matter of the sunnah is in the Quran. Ascent, ascent. And that is Surah Al Hashr, verse number 7, where Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولِ فَخُضُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ Whatever the messenger gives you, take it. And whatever the messenger forbids you from, abstain from it. وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ شَدِيلُ الْإِقَامِ And fear Allah, indeed Allah, is severe in punishment. We have the threat here from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end of the command to take whatever the messenger gives and the command to leave off whatever the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam has forbidden. And fear Allah. Meaning fear Allah regarding that which the messenger gives you. And fear Allah regarding that which the messenger prohibits you from. Because if you do not take what the messenger gives you, and you do not leave off what the messenger has prohibited, which is going to be found in the sunnah, then fear Allah for indeed the punishment of Allah is severe, or Allah is severe in his punishment. So not following the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, one is threatened with punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the sunnah is... Like the Ark of Noah, whoever embarks upon it or rides upon it is saved. And whoever does not embark upon it is drowned, he's destroyed. So whoever does not follow the sunnah, then the individual is subjected to being punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the one who adheres to the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu the sunnah is a means of protection for the slave from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, there is mention in the book of Allah in Surah An-Nur, verse number 63. Allah Azza wa Jal He mentions, فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ يُخَارِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِي أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةً أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Let them be aware, those who oppose his commandment, that some fitna will befall them, or a painful torment, a punishment. The command that is being referred to here, is the commandment of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because the beginning of the verse Allah mentions لا تجعلوا دعاء الرسول بينكم كدعاء بعضكم بعضا Do not make your calling of the messenger amongst you similar to how you call one another So Allah in the verse is speaking about Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the mannerisms that are befitting to observe when calling the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, meaning you don't say to him, O Muhammad, 
Rather, you say, O Messenger of Allah, O Prophet of Allah, you have to have mannerisms when addressing him. And then, at the end of the verse, there is the statement, let them be aware those who oppose his commandment, meaning the commandment of the Messenger wasallam, that some fitna will befall them, or a painful torment. So here Allah Azawajal threatens with two matters for those who oppose the commandment of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And his commandment is found where? In his Sunnah. The first the threat is the threat of fitna befalling the person. And it is mentioned by the ulama that the fitna is the fitna taking place in the religion of the individual who opposed the sunnah, opposed the commandment. And as for the painful torment, then it can be a punishment in this life as well as in the hereafter. There is a report that Imam Ahmad rahimahullah ta'ala he said that the fitna is a shirk. Meaning by that that the individual who opposes the command of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam that this can lead to the person leaving the religion and being afflicted with becoming a disbeliever or a polytheist as a result of his opposition. As you find the ulama they say Al-Ma'asi Barid Lil-Kufr that sins and disobedience is that which takes a person to disbelief. And this is not the methodology of the Khawarij that a person commits a major sin, all of a sudden he has left the fold of Islam. No, that's not what it, what's intended. Rather what's intended is that a person, due to his opposition to the command of the Messenger wasallam, it can put him on the path of continuing to disobey the Prophet And he keeps on disobeying and disobeying until Allah places a seal upon his heart and then he goes astray and he leaves the religion. So we have to be very careful when it comes to the sunnah of the Prophet Opposing his sunnah is not a light matter. And a painful punishment can happen to an individual in this life or in the hereafter. Look at the man who was eating with his left hand. And the Prophet said, Kul bi yaminik, eat with your right hand. Kala la stati'a, kala mastata'at, o kama kala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet said, eat with your right hand. The man said, I don't have the ability. The Prophet said, you won't have the ability. And his hand became paralyzed. Was it that the man did not have the ability 
to eat with his right hand instead of eating with his left hand. He had the ability, but he opposed the commandment of the Prophet ﷺ with arrogance. So immediately the punishment came upon him by his hand becoming paralyzed and he was not able to lift his hand up to his mouth. And one may take this matter as being something insignificant. But it's not insignificant. As the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, لَا تَأْكُلُوا بِالشِّمَالِ فَإِنَّ الشَّيْطَانِ يَأْكُلْ بِالشِّمَالِ Do not eat with your left hand, for indeed the shaytan, he eats with his left hand. Everything in Islam, Barakallah fikum, from the Qur'an and from the Sunnah is important. From the obligations, from the recommendations, from leaving off the prohibitions, and from leaving off the dislikes. Everything is important in the deen. There are matters that are more important than others, but everything is important. So one should never take lightly opposing the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It is mentioned by Hassan ibn Atiyah, who is one of the tabi'een, كان جبريل ينزل على رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بالسنة كما ينزل عليه بالقرآن يعلمه إياها كما يعلمه القرآن Hassan ibn Atiyah one of the tabi'een, he stated that Jibreel alayhi salam used to descend upon the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam with the sunnah just as he would descend upon him with the Qur'an. And he would teach him the sunnah just as he would teach him the Qur'an. The sunnah is not from the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself. It is revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions in Surah Al-Najm, verses 3 and 4, And He does not speak from His desires, it is only revelation that is revealed to Him. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he states, أَلَا إِنِّي أُوْتِيتُ الْكِتَابُ وَمِثْلَهُ مَعَ That indeed, I have been given the book and its like along with it. This statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I have been given the book and it's like along with it. It's like along with it, meaning the sunnah. He has been given the sunnah. Just as he has been given the Quran. The sunnah is not from the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The sunnah is the revelation from Allah to him. 
sallallahu alayhi wasallam the sunnah is not the desires of the prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam the sunnah is the revelation from allah So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam He said indeed I have been given the Quran and it's like along with it How is the sunnah similar to the Quran the Sunnah is similar to the Quran from the angle of being revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's where the similarity lies. That the Sunnah is revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, the Sunnah is similar to the Quran in relation to the obligation of adhering to it. Whatever Allah commands in the Qur'an, we must obey Allah. And whatever the Prophet wasallam commanded in the Sunnah, we must obey the Prophet Muhammad wasallam. As obeying the Prophet Muhammad wasallam is to obey Allah. As Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions, وَمَنْ يُتِعِ الرَّسُولِ فَقَدْ أَطَاعَ اللَّهِ That whoever obeys the Messenger has obeyed Allah. Whoever obeys the Messenger has obeyed Allah. So now we understand the opposite. That whoever disobeys the messenger, then he has disobeyed Allah. So that verse is Surah An-Nisa, verse number 80. الرسول فقط أطاع الله that Whoever obeys the messenger, then indeed he has obeyed Allah. The Prophet ﷺ, he went on to mention, أَلَا يُوشِكُ رَجُلٌ شَبْعَانٌ عَلَىٰ أَرِيكَتِهِ يَقُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ بِهَذَا الْقُرْآنِ فَمَا وَجَدْتُمْ فِيهِ مِنْ حَلَالًا فَأَحِلُّوْ وَمَا وَجَدْتُمْ فِيهِ مِنْ حَرَامٍ فَحَرِّمُوْ أَلَا لَا يُحِلُّ لَكُمْ لَحْمُ الْحِمَارِ الْأَهْلِي وَلَا, ولا كُلُّ ذِي نَابٍ مِنَ السَّبْعِ وَلَا لُقَطَ مُعَاهِدٍ إِلَّا أَنْ يَسْتَغْنِيَ عَنْهَا الصَّاحِبُهَا وَمَنْ نَزَلَ بِكَوْمٍ فَعَلَيْهِمْ أَنْ يَقْرُوا فَإِنْ لَمْ يَقْرُوا فَلَهُ أَنْ يُعْقِبَهُمْ بِمِثْلِ قِرَاهُ أَخْرَجُهُ أَبُوْ دَاوُودِ This narration is on the authority of Miqdam رضي الله عنه The Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم stated 
that indeed I have been given the Qur'an and its like along with it. But there's going to come a time when there is a man reclining on his couch and he is, he is full. And he will say to the people, Upon you is this Qur'an. Whatever you find in the Qur'an to be halal, then make it halal. And whatever you find in the Qur'an to be haram, then make it haram. Meaning, just stick to the Qur'an, leave off the sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ foretold that there will be people who will come, that will tell the people to just focus on the Qur'an, just stick to the Qur'an, and turn them away from the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. But the Prophet ﷺ went on to mention showing that the sunnah is important just as the Qur'an is important, as he stated in the beginning of the hadith, that in the Allah inni utitul kitab wa ma'a, that indeed I have been given the Qur'an and its like along with it. So the Prophet ﷺ, he went on to mention, certainly it is not lawful for you to eat the domestic donkey. Eating a domestic donkey is haram. But that's not found specifically in the Qur'an. However, that's present in the Sunnah. And beasts with fangs is not allowed to eat these beasts. Or the lost item of one who was under a covenant with the Muslims, unless he has no need for the item. And if a people are visited by guests, then they must entertain their guests. But if they do not do so, then the guests have the right to extract or take that which is due to them. And this narration has been authenticated by Al-Imam Al-Albani Rahimahullah Ta'ala Rahmatan Wasi'ah Another narration The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam He mentioned ayahsabu ahadukum muttaki'an ala arikatihi qad yadhunnu anna Allah lam yuharrim shay'an illa ma fi hadha al-Qur'an Does one of you who is reclining on his couch have the thought that Allah has not prohibited anything except that which is in this Qur'an. And here is an important statement by the Prophet wasallam, And that is that the person believes or thinks that Allah has not made anything haram except that which is in the Qur'an. Which is an indication that when he declares something to be haram, that it is not from himself, that it is from Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah Azza wa Jal, He makes things haram by way of the Qur'an, and likewise Allah Azza wa Jal makes things haram by way of the Sunnah. So one should not think that whatever is in the Qur'an as being haram, then that's the only haram that we have in the religion. Doa is upon the individual to also look at what has been prohibited 
and the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. For if the person only sticks to leaving off the haram that's mentioned in the Qur'an, and he ignores the things that have been made haram in the sunnah, then the person will fall into destruction. If he embarks upon those prohibited matters. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned, "Ala wa inni wallahi qad wa'atu wa amartu wa nahaytu an asha'a inna hala mithlu al-Qur'an aw akthar." He says, "Indeed, and I swear by Allah, I have given the admonition, and I have given commandments, and I have prohibited from things." that indeed it is similar to the prohibitions of the Qur'an or even more so. They are similar to the prohibitions in the Qur'an or even more. As the ulama, they mention a sunnah to fassirul Qur'an. So you're going to find more, the sunnah it explains the Qur'an. So you're going to find more details in the sunnah regarding religious matters than you find in the Qur'an. And that's a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can you imagine if every rule and regulation that we have in the sunnah was present in the Qur'an, how big the Qur'an would be? But Allah azza wa jal, from His mercy and His wisdom, you find ayat that are general, and then the explanation comes from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And the Quran is not too much. Alhamdulillah, Allah decreed for it to be the amount of words that the Quran is, and He has made it easy for the people to memorize. But now imagine how it would have been if every matter or authentic narration that's in Bukhari with the rules and regulation, that's in the Qur'an. And every narration uh, from Sahih Muslim, uh, that's what, the authentic narrations of Sahih Muslim in the Qur'an. And the, authentic, and the authentic narrations in the Sunnah Abi Dawood in the Qur'an. The authentic narrations in Sunnah Tur in the Qur'an. It would be gigantic. And Allah Azza wa Jal, He doesn't place a burden upon the people they can bear. That's, a, that's a wisdom from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And alhamdulillah, we have in this ummah, those who have memorized the Qur'an, and alhamdulillah, they have memorized the books of sunnah. Those who have memorized the, the uh, nine books of the sunnah, which are the, the foundation of the sunnah, Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi, An-Nasai, Ibn Majah, Sunan of Darimi, the Muwatta of Imam Malik, and the Musnad of Imam Ahmed. You have individuals from this Ummah, Allah has blessed them to memorize the Quran and memorize those nine books, and other than that. But it is a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that not every single rule and regulation that is in the Sunnah that is inside of the Quran, meaning specifically, mentioned in detail. So those individuals who call the people 
away from following the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, then indeed they are calling the people away from following the Qur'an in reality. Yesterday, we covered that the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is divided into five categories. Number one, a sunnatul i'tiqadiyya, the sunnah of creed, that which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam believed. Number two, a sunnatul qawliya, the verbal sunnah, the things that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam he stated. Number three, a sunnatul fi'liya, the things that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam did. Number four, a sunnatul taqririya, the things that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam approved of. And number five, a sunnatul tarqiyya, the things that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam abandoned religiously. And examples were given yesterday of how these different categories of the sunnah are a means of protection, salvation, a means of safety and security. And the example that was given for a sunnatul i'tiqadiyya, the sunnah of belief, was the serving girl that was slapped by the Sahabi Muawiyah ibn Hakim al-Sulami radiallahu anhu. And he felt regret for his action. So he went to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and mentioned what happened that the servant girl was over his flock and a wolf came and took away one of the one of the sheep and he became angry like the son of Adam becomes angry and he struck her in her face and he feels regret for what he did so the prophet said bring her to me and when he brought her the prophet asked her sallallahu alayhi wa two questions ain allah qalat fis sama qala wa man ana qala qalat anta rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fa qala atika fa innaha mu'mina so he asked her, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where is Allah? She said, Allah is above the heavens. He said, and who am I? She said, you are the messenger of Allah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, free her, for indeed she's a believer. So her having the correct aqidah led to her being emancipated, led to her being freed. And what was her aqidah? That Allah azawajal is above his creation. And not that Allah is everywhere as believed by the deviants. Starting with the Jahmiyyah. 
As for Sunnatul Qawliyyah, then many examples were given. From the examples is the statement of Bismillah, tawakkaltu Allah, wala hawla wala quwwata illa billah. Before you leave your home, that's a means of protection for you when you leave your home. And when you go into your home before or before entering into your home, you say Bismillah to keep the shayateen out of your home. Or before a person eats and before a person drinks, the person says Bismillah so that the shaytan doesn't eat and drink with you. Before a person has relations with his spouse, the person says Bismillah, Allahumma jannibna shaytan wa jannib shaytan ma razaqtana. In the name of Allah, O oh Allah, keep the shaytan away from us and the shaytan away from that which you uh, provide us with to protect the child from the shaytan. These are verbal statements we make. Where do we find these statements? In the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad What is the result? The result is protection, safety and security from harm. From the sunnatul fi'liyyah, the example was given, praying two raka'ah before you leave your home, and two raka'ah before you enter, after you enter into your home. And the ulama have explained, that praying these two raka'ah before you leave your home, and this is what the Prophet encouraged, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that's a means of protecting you while you're outside of your home. And praying two raka'ah upon entering into the home is a means of protecting you while you are within your home. The example that was given for as-sunnatul taqiririya, the narration of Amr ibn al-As radiallahu an. And yesterday I didn't remember who the Sahabi was, but he's Amr ibn al-As radiallahu an, that when he was on a journey, he became in a state of janaba, major impurity. And he made tayammum and then he led the people in salat. And upon return, they reported this to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that he was in janaba and he made tayammum, he didn't make a ghusl. And then he led the people in salah. And the Prophet wasallam questioned him about that. And he radiallahu anh, mentioned to the Prophet that the weather was extremely cold. And he read the statement of Allah, وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ And do not kill yourselves. So he didn't make the ghusl with water because of the fear due to the extreme weather that the water would harm him if he take a complete ghusl. So he made tayammum. And when he explained this matter to the Prophet wasallam, the Prophet, he laughed. And what does it mean that he laughed? Huh? He approved of it, what he did. He approved of what he did. And that is a means of, that's protection, that's safety. Protecting yourself from harm in that situation. So the Prophet ﷺ approved of the action of the Sahabi radiallahu And lastly, as sunnah al-Turqiyya, the sunnah of abandonment, we find from the Prophet ﷺ that he left off the things that can cause harm to him. And from the greatest of that which he left off and abandoned is ashirk billah. And the Prophet ﷺ left off bid'ah. And the Prophet ﷺ left off ma'asi. These are three things that can harm you and destroy you. Ashirk, and you can add kufr to that. Ashirk wal kufr, al bid'ah wal ma'asi. 
polytheism and disbelief, innovation, and sins, disobedience. These three things can destroy you. These three things can destroy your homes. In times of fitna, the Prophet ﷺ in his sunnah has given us direction. And this is another indication and evidence regarding the statement of Imam Malik that the sunnah is like the Ark of Noah. We have the narration on Abi Hurairah radiallahu أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال بادروا بالأعمال فتنا ككتع الليل المظلم يصبح الرجل مؤمنا ويمسي كافرا أو يمسي مؤمنا ويصبح كافرا يبيع دينه بأرض من الدنيا رواه مسلم The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he said and this narration is on the authority of Abi Hurairah and it is collected in the Sahih of Imam Muslim. Hasten to do good deeds. Because or before the trials and tribulations come similar to the portion of the dark night. And during these trials and tribulations you'll find that the person will wake up in the morning as a believer but then go to bed as a disbeliever. Or you'll find that a person will go to bed as a disbeliever, but then when he wakes up in the morning, afwan, you'll find that a person goes to bed as a believer, but then when he wakes up in the morning, he wakes up in the morning as a disbeliever. And he sells his religion for a small portion of the dunya. Here the Prophet wasallam, and this his narration is found in the sunnah, Showing the importance of studying the sunnah Because the sunnah is a protection for us During times of trials and tribulations And without a doubt These trials and tribulations have come And they will get worse as the time goes on Every year that comes The state of the people gets worse Generally speaking the state of the world gets worse, generally speaking. As individuals, yes, one person may be poor this year, financially stable next year. But then when you look at the religious affairs and the state of their people in regarding their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and other than that, you see that the people are on a decline. You see that there's more killing that's taking place. You see that the people, their mannerisms or the morals are on a, a, dec- a rapid decline. And other than that, this is from the fitan. This is from the trials and tribulation. You see women, they are becoming more lewd. Indecency and evil is becoming more widespread as the time goes on. I mean, just even here in America. You look at 50 years ago and compare it to now. And those who were alive during that time, they can tell you times have changed. Times have changed. I remember my grandmother just sitting with her talking. 
It was, she was saying that in her time, any woman who wore a dress above her knees, it was known that she was a prostitute. And my grandmother is like in her 80s. So in her time coming, any woman who wore her dress above her knees, it was known that that was a prostitute. Woman didn't dress like that, she was saying, back in her time. Now you find many women who will be considered prostitutes according to the people of old, even though they're not selling their bodies on the street, because this has become the norm. But the point I'm making is that you see that the morals of the people are on a decline. So the Prophet ﷺ gave us the remedy, what can protect us when these trials and tribulations come, and that is being quick to do good and busying ourselves with doing good. So when these times and trials and tribulations come, we will already be in the habit of worshipping Allah and doing good. So they won't affect us. Because we already are established upon doing that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded. Don't procrastinate when it comes to doing good. Don't procrastinate. Rather when it comes to being obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, be quick. Don't procrastinate. Because that is the opportunity to do what's right. Because when an individual does not take advantage of the opportunities to do good, and then it leave, it may not never come back to you. So the Prophet ﷺ, as an example, he mentioned, Take advantage of five before five. Again, he's another example of how the sunnah is a means of salvation. Just like the Ark of Noah was salvation for the believers at that time. Take advantage of five before five. Take advantage of your youth before your old age. And take advantage of your health before your sickness. And take advantage of your free time before becoming preoccupied. And take advantage of your wealth before your poverty. And take advantage of your life before your death. Subhanallah wa bihamdi. How profound is the statement of the Prophet Take advantage of your youth before your older age. Because in your youth, in most cases you have ability to do that which a person does not have to do, have the ability to do when he's older. And that's not to say all older men lose ability because alhamdulillah we have some of the older brothers that are show you young brothers up any day in time. And may Allah preserve them and preserve us all. You have it. But in many times the older a person gets, the person begins to go back. He digress. So when you're young and you're strong, take advantage of that time to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your youth, 
as a reward for you, if Allah decrees for you to be older, Allah will preserve you in your older age just as you preserve His prescribed limits in your younger age. There was one of the Salaf, he was a Shaykh, I forget his name, he had reached over like a hundred years of age. And the students seen him like jumping down from a place. And he was like, Sheikh, Sheikh, take it easy. You're going to hurt yourself. Or you? like, they were afraid the Sheikh would break a bone or something. And the Sheikh told him, don't worry. For I preserved these limbs upon the obedience of Allah and my youth. So Allah has preserved them in my old age. Allah. It's a reward. Being obedient to Allah, following the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, led to this shaykh in his elder age being protected and preserved in his body physically. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned to take advantage of your health before your sickness. That's an opportunity for you to do good. Because when you're sick, depending on the sickness, it may cause a person to be incapable of doing acts of goodness. And if you don't have good in your time of health, then what is going to be written for you in your time of sickness? Because that from the mercy of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the good deeds that a person he does in the time of his health and in the time that he is a resident, during the time of his sickness and during the time of his travel, Allah continues to write or have those deeds written for him. That's a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if you don't have any good that you was doing in the time of your health, and you spent the time when you had good health destroying your health, wasting your health, not being grateful for the health, then what's going to be written for you when you become sick? These are teachings from the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ for the salvation of mankind. Take advantage of your free time before becoming preoccupied. You have free time to read the Quran, read the Quran. You have free time to make your sunnah prayers, make your sunnah prayers. Where are you rushing to if you have free time? Some of us, we busy doing nothing, as they say. Busy doing nothing. We have the time to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we don't take advantage of it. How were we in the past Ramadan? Did we take advantage of the time? Did we take advantage of the last 10 nights? Some of us, we regret not taking advantage. Maybe Allah will give us another chance next Ramadan. Maybe not. You have to take advantage of these opportunities where you are in a position to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Take advantage of these opportunities where you can distance yourself from the health. You have to take advantage of those opportunities. And free time is an opportunity. Because when you're preoccupied, you don't have that ability to do the things you could have done when you have free time. And the dunya is like that. 
Sometimes we're in situations, Alhamdulillah, we have free time. Tayyib, we have vacation, go ahead and make your hajj, go ahead and make your umrah. What are you waiting on? You have free time, go ahead to the masjid and pray in the masjid. Go ahead and open up the Quran, do some reviewing. Go ahead and open up Sahih Bukhari, Sahih Muslim, do some reading, familiarize yourself with the sunnah. Because the time when the work comes, or the time when the family comes, we have to tend to the needs of the family, we're preoccupied. So if we take advantage of the free time, then we have made good with our time. As Shaykh al-Islam ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyah, he stated, ضِيَعُ الْوَقْتَ الشَّدُّ مِنَ الْمَوْتِ لِأَنَّ الْمَوْتِ يَقْطَعُكَ عَنِ الدُّنْيَا وَضِيَعُ الْوَقْتِ يَقْطَعُكَ عَنِ اللَّهِ Wasting time is worse than death. Wasting time is worse than, is more severe than death. Because death, it only cuts you off from the life of this world. But wasting time cuts you off from Allah. That's showing how important it is for a person to take advantage of his time. We will be questioned on the Day of Judgment about our time. About our lives, our youth, how do we live, how do we spend our... We'll be questioned about these things on Yom Qiyamah. The Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned, take advantage of your wealth before your poverty. If you are in a position Allah has favored you to be, in a fi- to be financially stable, to have wealth coming in, spend your wealth wisely. Don't waste your wealth on that which doesn't benefit you. Allah Azza wa Jal, He mentions addressing the believers. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu anfiku mimma razaqunakum min qabli an yatiya yawmun la bay'un fihi wa la khullatun wa la shafa'a. والظالمون. Oh, you who believe, spend from that which we have provided you with before there comes a day when there is no friendship and there is not going to be any intercession and the wrong and the disbelievers they are the wrongdoers. A commandment from Allah to spend, but spend on what? To spend on that which Allah Azza wa Jal is pleased with. As for the wasting of wealth. Then this is from that which Allah Azawajal despises and he hates. As the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he mentioned, وَكَرِهَ لَكُمْ ثَلَاثًا قِيلَ وَقَالَ وَكَثْرَةَ السُّعَارِ وَإِضَاءَةَ الْمَالِ وَكَمَا قَالَ Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he said, Allah, he hates for you three things. It was said and he said, gossip, Allah, he hates gossip. Don't be a gossiper. Be as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stated, مَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَلْيَقُلْ خَيْرًا أَوْ لِيَصْمُدْ That whoever believes in Allah on the last day, salvation, whoever believes in Allah on the last day, let him say that which is good or remain silent. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in another narration, مَنْ صَمَتَ نَجَى That whoever is silent, he is saved. <laughs> the sunnah salvation. The sunnah is like the ark of Noah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam mentioned that Allah, He hates for you, qila wa qal, gossip. Allah azza wa jal hates for you, kathrat al-su'al, excessive questioning, meaning 
questioning that doesn't have benefit, similar to the questioning of Bani Israel, of Musa salam. What kind of cow? What color is the cow? Cows look the same. That type of questioning, instead of just carrying out the commandment. Or questioning to cause fitna. Or unnecessary begging and asking for the wealth of the people, as some ulama mentioned. And the last matter mentioned, المال, and the wasting of wealth. Allah, He hates the wasting of wealth. So take advantage of your wealth before your poverty. And the last thing mentioned by the Prophet ﷺ, which sums everything up, take advantage of your life before your death. Because once a person dies, that's it. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentioned, إِذَا مَاتَ إِبْنُ آدَمْ إِنْقَطَعَ عَنْهُ عَمَلُهُ إِلَّا مِنْ ثَلَاثِ صَدَقَةً جَارِيَةً وَإِلْمًا يُنْتَفِعُ بِي وَوَلَدًا صَالِحٍ يَدْعُ لَهُ أو كما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم That when the son or the child of Adam dies, his actions are cut off from him except from three matters. A continuous charity, knowledge that is benefited from, and a righteous child that supplicates for him after his death. Take advantage of your life before your death, brothers. But where do we find these teachings? We find this in the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is like the Ark of Noah. Whoever embarks upon it, whoever rides upon it is saved. And whoever does not ride upon it, whoever does not embark upon it, then he is drowned, he is destroyed. Inshallah ta'ala, I will stop at this point. Whatever is correct, the praise is for Allah Azza wa Jal alone. And whatever is incorrect, it is from myself.